Well, good morning. It is good to see you, and welcome to First Baptist. There, welcome to First Baptist Church. We're really glad that you're here, and uh, I know we have several people coming in still from our Sunday school. Um, so we'll take note of those. We also had I noticed um, several that are normally in this service in our first service, and so um, so. But make sure you see who's not here today and contact them and let them know. Um, Kenny Branch was in so need of the sermon; he's coming to hear it twice today. So he fell asleep in the first half, and so he's coming back to get it. So anyway, we're glad you're here. Why don't you stand up and move around and greet some folks? We're glad you're here. All right, it is really good to see you, and um, congratulations to the West with a brand new granddaughter, is that right? Grandson, so congratulations on that, and, um, and we, um, it's good to see you. We welcome you here. If you'll look in the worship guide, um, today is the picnic, and um, I was talking to someone earlier who didn't know where Shaco is. Maybe, maybe a lot of you, it's, it's in all your map stuff, and so just enter Shaco Springs, and when you come into the, to the camp, um, it's in Talladega, and when you come into the camp, it, it'll, there's a lake on the left. We'll be right at the end of the lake. You'll see a pavilion, and, and we'll be right in that area. And so we're just going to have a good time. You do need to do the QR code if you haven't done that, and um, we would love to, to have you join us. You can see what, what to bring, and, um, and the church will bring the hamburgers and hot dogs, and those will be ready, and we'll start eating, and, and we'll, we'll start around four and finish as it gets dark. And so please come and be a part of that. Um, fall festival's coming up. That's a big event for us, having people on our campus. 
We just want to be a friendly face to people and give them a safe place to come. And then um, the Christmas backpack um, packing party and then also the 2024 budget is coming up. Let me just explain to you real quick. We'll present the budget to you the second to the last week of this month, which is... Um, not this week, but the next. We'll present the budget to you on that Wednesday night, I think the 25th. Um, we will actually have a business meeting and discuss that budget. And then on the last Sunday of the month, which is the combined service in here, all we do is vote yes or no in the service. Um, so if you want to discuss the budget that you get that next Sunday, two Sundays from now, you'll come to the business meeting to discuss it, and then we'll, we'll vote just yes or no in the business meeting. So that's, that's coming. So make sure you take part in that. That's money that your tithes go to, and we want to be accountable, and we really want you to see how we're going to use that money to advance the kingdom of God. So are you ready to worship today? Before we get started, Josh Warren has a quick announcement about a new Sunday school class. And so, Josh, come up and share with us about it, and then we'll continue. Good morning. Um, I have been uh, in prayer with the Lord, asking Him to direct me and what He would have me do uh, in this new season uh, with me being in seminary. And the Lord has uh, laid on my heart um, in talking with John and others that our church is in need of a Sunday school class for the age group of just out of college to about 30. So we're looking at 22, 23 to 30. And so with that, uh, starting next Sunday um, in room B217, uh, just right up here, uh, I am going to start teaching a class for that age group. Um, so if you fit in that age group or you know somebody that's in that age group, uh, please come join us um, as we just take this time to be together um, as we're entering this new season of life. Um, so if you know somebody in that or you fit into that, uh, please come join us as we start uh, meeting together uh, next Sunday. So thank you. Thanks, thanks Josh. And, um, the college class will continue to meet over in the garage of Petros, but this is a brand new class, and we hope that, that you can know someone or if you're in that group, take part of it. Well, I heard someone say the other day, um, they opened the service this way, and I thought it was appropriate. The weekend is over. This is the first day of the week. Amen. This is the Sabbath. This is the day we've set aside to worship our Lord and Savior. Amen? So we get to come together. We don't have to. We get to come into this room and sing praises and come to the Word. And so I just want to encourage you today to worship like he's listening because he is. He's not only on his throne watching us. He's in this room. He's with us. So let's worship him. Um, I'd encourage you. I know some of you use your phones for Bibles. That's good. But let's put the phones down unless you're using your Bible or following along with the outline. I understand that happens. But let's do that. But let's make sure we focus and give everything we have. And speaking of phones, if you haven't muted it, this is a good time to mute it, okay? But um, let's get started with our um, call to worship. And then right afterwards, we will have a very timely passage of Scripture. It's amazing. I laid this out um, in December, not knowing that Israel would be attacked um, by, by Hamas um, this weekend. And so as you listen to that scripture, it'll be amazing how timely it is. And then also in our prayer time, we'll pray for not only um, Israel, but also the, the Palestinians who are stuck, who are not 
actually doing any of this, but they're just stuck between a really evil group and people trying to kill others. And so we want to pray for Israel and pray for peace in that area. You know, it's the reason the Bible says pray for peace in Jerusalem. It's, it's constantly under attack. And so, but let's, let's turn to Psalm 99. And would you read this out loud with me? The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Pray with me and then we'll read our scripture. God, thank you. We come before you as we've just said and confess, holy are you. And we praise you. We thank you that we get to come and worship. So as we sing, as we hear the word, as the word is preached, as we apply it, as we obey it, as we do what you've called us to do today, as we pray, as we sing, as we listen, as we give, as we obey, would you manifest yourself in our presence today? We, we know you're here. We know you're in this room. But we just say we welcome you and ask you to move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Job, I'll come read our scripture. morning. Today's scripture is from Zechariah 14 verses 1 through 9. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the houses plundered and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost. And there shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But at evening time there shall be light. On that day living water shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Thank you Jacob. Let's continue to worship through music. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Let's worship him with everything that we are today.
Side. 
Father, we love you. You are the God of angel armies. You go before us, you go behind us, you go beside us, and ultimately you are in us by your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ, for music, for songs that we can lift up to you, that express who you are, Father, and many times express what we're thinking in the midst of who you are. Father, we thank you for prayer. We thank you for the ability to come to you. You are our advocate. Father, it is well with our souls because of who you are. Father, I know in this size group, God, there are many different people going through some hard things. But Father, I pray that you would just take us today. And Father, we would see you as our joy. That no matter what our circumstances are, Father, we can continue to fix our eyes on you. You are the author, you are the perfecter of our faith. So Father, I'm asking that you move in this place, as we sing about you, as we are under your word, move in our hearts, move in this place. Father, we love you.
Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We praise you that a God who is holy, 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 and a people who 
who have sinned and rebelled against you can sing because of your grace it is well with my soul. It's not because of us. It's because of you. It's because of what you've done. And we give you glory, Lord. We give you praise for the grace that you've displayed to us. I pray, Lord, that even now that everyone in this room could come before they leave today to be able to honestly say, it is well with my soul. Lord, we lift up each person here. There are difficulties in this room. There are things that people are going through that, that some or maybe no one but you know what is happening. We lift them to you. We pray for your touch upon them, for comfort, for peace, just for peace. Your word says you give to your beloved sleep. Maybe there are those who just this afternoon desperately need a good nap. Would you let their children sleep that they might be able to? Little things that we take for granted. We thank you. We thank you for the clean water we drink. We thank you for the food we eat, for the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, for beautiful weather, and yet air conditioners and heaters. You are good to us. And we know that to whom much is given, much is expected. So may we be the kind of people who give as you have given to us, not just what our money but with every aspect. Lord, as a nation, we remember what it's like to be attacked by an enemy. And so today we pray for Israel. We ask, Father, that you would be with those families who have lost loved ones due to just unnecessary and senseless violence. I pray, Lord, for those Palestinians who are, who are stuck in between Hamas and Israel. And I ask God that you would be with them. But I, I pray that, I just pray, Lord, you would stop terrorism of every kind. But as we watch the videos of what's happening in the streets, and then we hear the scripture read so many years before you've laid it out there's coming a time when everything will turn but you will come again so we are a hopeful people we lift up our world to you we desperately need you Jesus to revive your church to send an awakening across this land but we need you to come back and we know that the fact that you've not come back yet means there are people to be saved. And so we pray that we would be faithful in the mission, that we would be faithful in discipleship. But our majestic Lord, we, we long to see you. So today, draw us close. And, and even as the disciples came to you and Luke and said, Lord, teach us to pray, we come now to James 
And we ask with the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray through James and Elijah. Teach us, Lord. Teach us through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to turn to James chapter 5. We've got this week and next week, and we'll finish the book of James. Um, the week after that, I'm going to preach a very practical sermon about how to pray. James has talked a lot about prayer, and we deal with it, and, and I'm going to say a lot about it today, but sometimes I think we just want to know, how do I pray? And, and I want to give you some very practical, so I think the way Jesus prayed, and, and, and so we'll look at that, and then we'll all come together on the last Sunday of this month to worship and pray and, and read the scripture. And we've done this in June and then we'll come to communion at the end of that. And so it's gonna be a good time and I hope you're making plans. Um, there'll be no Sunday school that day. There'll be things for children, um, the younger children, but um, we'll all gather in here in both services. So I'm looking forward to that. But James chapter five, if you remember, we ended with verse 16, the first part of it where he said, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so James has talked to us about prayer, that we're to pray when we suffer, we're to pray when things are going well, that we're to pray when we're sick, and that we're to call the elders to come and pray for us, that we're to confess our sins to one another in that time of prayer. And then he comes to the second part of verse 16. So if you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's word. James says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. Years ago, there was a little book that many of you may have read if you, if you grew up in church. It's, uh, Andrew Murray wrote the book. It's called With Christ in the School of Prayer. With Christ in the School of Prayer. So today we're going to go with James and with Elijah into the School of Prayer. James is going to teach us through a very powerful man how we're to pray. And, and what we're going to look at simply is, is the power of prayer. I want us to see it because last week we saw a call to pray as individuals, as, as praying for ourselves, and then as a, as a group where the elders of the church come and pray, and then also praying for one another. And now he moves from the call to prayer to the power of prayer. And he says in that very first verse, the last part of verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Literally, James says something more along these lines. The prayer of the righteous produces much power. That's a lot better way that James says it in the Greek. The prayer of the righteous person, a righteous person who, who's been declared righteous through salvation, but also not only positionally righteous as they're saved, but practically righteous in their obedience, the prayer of the righteous produces power. It, it, it accomplishes much, is what James is saying. Do we believe that? Do we believe that prayer accomplishes much? 
We can say we believe it, but I would say to you, just to my own self as well as to you, look back this last week. How much did you show that you believed that prayer is powerful and that it produces great things? The word for power here in verse 16 is not a word that is normally used in, in, in the New Testament. It's, it's a word that has to do with strength that makes you sufficient for the task. So the prayer produces much power. It produces something that makes you sufficient to do what God's called you to do. So when you understand the calling of God in your life and you begin to act on that call and you call out to the God who called you, he gives you the strength to do what he's called you to do. He, he gives you whatever you need for the moment. Now, I know we all want more power than that. We, we want to, to have what we need for whatever may come our way, and we have that, but, but he always gives us enough for the moment. Whatever it is that we need to do what he's called us to do. And, and, and one of the reasons, and I'll just say it again, that we see so little power in the church today is because we see so little prayer. And the reason I can say that is that when you go to places like South America or to Africa or to Korea or to China where the body of Christ prays and continues to pray, you also find places where there's still great power being done. Prayer and power work together. So two things about prayer that I want you to see. Two things about prayer. I've said it several times now. Prayer is powerful. It's powerful. The older versions say something along the lines of this. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The effective prayer, maybe that's how you memorize it. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When God's children, get this, when we, when we live in the Spirit, and when we go back to what we said in January, when, when we go back to Galatians and we walk in the Spirit and we live in the Spirit and we have the fruit of the Spirit and we keep in step with the Spirit, when we live that way, there is a power that comes through our life because the Spirit of God empowers us. He lays it on our heart to pray for things and we pray for things and we see it. And so it, it's, it's powerful when we do that. It's powerful, but it's also, it produces. Prayer produces. The word working here in the ESV is also translated as effective. It comes from a word that speaks really of, of what prayer is able to do. It's talking about the working, it's talking about the power, it's talking about what prayer is able to do when we pray. It speaks of, of working, it speaks of, 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 of effective, of producing. And what it's saying is when we, get this, coming to God in prayer is the solution to your problem. It's not a last thought. It's not the last thing we do. 
Coming to God with our problem is the solution to the problem. Coming to God prayerfully with the problem is where God begins to work in that problem for his glory and for our good. Prayer is powerful, and it produces. And James decides through the Spirit to show us the power of prayer through one of the most powerful figures in the Old Testament. James brings us to go with Elijah into the school of prayer. What we find are some examples of a man of prayer here. Examples of a man of prayer. And this man is a man of power and a man who produced much in the short period of time that he was on the earth. Elijah was indeed a powerful man. I'll give you an example. In 2 Kings, we won't turn there. We're going to go in a moment to, uh, to Kings, um, 1 Kings chapter 17, but just hang on. In 2 Kings, we, we find Elijah in chapter 2 sitting up on a mountain. And, 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 and let me just say, first of all, Elijah is one of only two men that we have in the Bible who never died. Enoch in Genesis 6 or Genesis 5 walked with God and then he was no more. He, he didn't die. Enoch and Elijah were the two men in the Bible who, who never died. He, he was taken up in a chariot of fire. Can you imagine it? Elisha saw it and, and called out. And, and I read this thing not long ago. It says, this is the personality of Elijah. When the chariots of fire led by the fiery horses come down to get Elijah, Elijah was probably the man who grabbed the reins from the angel and whipped the horses into a frenzy to go back into heaven. That's Elijah's personality. Sometimes. But what we're going to see is not all the time. Elijah had his issues like we have our issues. He had his struggles like we have our struggles. In 2 Kings chapter 1 Again, we'll come, we're not going to turn there, but we'll come to 1 Kings in a moment. But in 2 Kings, Elijah is sitting up on a mountain. And the king, and all the kings that Elijah deals with are ungodly kings. And it's judgment, time of judgment. <laughs> the, the, man, the king sends a captain of 50 men to come get Elijah. And I'm just going to paraphrase it, okay? He comes up and he says, he says, man of God, basically the king has come to get you, to tell me to come get you. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire take you out. And fire consumes that captain and his 50. Well, another man comes with another 50, another captain, and says, man of God, let, the king has sent me to come and get you. And Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come and take you out. I'm paraphrasing. And, and fire comes down and takes the captain and his 50. Yeah, the third captain with his 50 is a little smarter. He comes and he says, basically, I'm putting it into my language. He basically says, Elijah, we know you're a man of God and we know what you can do. And, and he humbles himself and he says, please, don't send down fire. I'm just doing what the kings asked me. Will you come with us? And Elijah goes. That's the kind of power that Elijah had. He was a man of great power. We remember him when, when he calls the, the prophets of Baal all to come together and says, let's have a little contest. You build an altar, well, I'll build an altar, and, and we'll call upon our God and see who can, send down, who, who, can, who can send down fire to take out the altar and out the sacrifice. And the prophets of Baal are, are out there. Elijah's my kind of man. He starts to mock them. He literally says, won't you pray a little harder? Maybe, maybe your God's relieving himself right now and he's not hearing you. 
He literally says that. You can go read it in the Bible. He, he talks it, and finally he calls down, and God takes fire from heaven from Elijah's prayer and consumes the, the altar and consumes the water and everything around it and, and, the, and the sacrifice. And, and then Elijah kills all those prophets of Baal. Elijah was a man of great power. But here's the question I think we have to ask. From where does that power come? Why is Elijah so powerful? It's easy to say, well, he was a prophet. But why was he so powerful? Now, make sure you mark James chapter 5, but I want you to turn back in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings. Okay? Very beginning of the Old Testament. Get to Chronicles, you've gone too far. If you're in Samuel, keep going to the right. 1 Kings chapter 17. I want to show you some things about Elijah. We don't know anything about his past. He just shows up on the scene in chapter 17, verse 1. He says to Ahab, who is a very wicked king, Ahab's married to a very wicked queen named Jezebel. You've heard that word. She's a Jezebel, what comes from her. And look at the second part of chapter 1. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, this is Elijah speaking, before whom I stand, there shall, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, that's Elijah doing what James says. It's not going to rain for three and a half years. And it doesn't. But I want you to see something in this because in chapter 17, Elijah does what God calls him to do. And then there's a process by which God develops Elijah's trust. And I want you to see this in prayer. We have to learn to trust God. When we trust God, we become people of prayer. When we read the Bible and see how God's worked and then we look at what God's doing in our own life and see those small things that God does, we begin to develop trust. God tells Elijah to go to King Ahab. He does it. He pronounces it. And then you'll find in the word of the Lord, 1 Kings 17, and the word of the Lord came to him, verse 3, depart from here, turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of Jordan. So God tells Elijah, this is important for later, he tells Elijah to go into the wilderness, to go to the brook. And then he tells him, if you look at it in, 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 in verse 4, you will drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. If you look in verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Don't think for a moment that the God who spoke this world into being can't provide for your needs. We have to trust God. And as we pray, we do what God's told us to do. This is the first step in Elijah's development of trust. He goes to the wilderness. He drinks from the brook. And God brings ravens to bring him bread and meat. This is in the Bible, that the God who spoke to the raven into being is the God who can tell the raven what to do. 
God spoke and it happened and it began to develop trust in Elijah's life. Well, if you look at the end of that verse 7, the brook dries up. So God tells him in verse 8 to go to a Gentile town. Jesus makes much of this. He says it wasn't to a Jewish town that he sent Elijah. He sent him to a Gentile town. And he tells him, you'll go to the Gentile town. And he says, there'll be a widow there. And he says, look at verse 9, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you. Now the brook's dried up. I'm going to command a widow there in a Gentile town to feed you. Again, Gentiles are anybody who's not Jew, in case you don't remember that. It's the Jewish people and then the Gentile people. And he says, I've commanded her to, to feed you. So he goes in. You can read it. He meets her. She's gathering sticks to cook a final meal with a little bit of flour and oil she has left. And she's going to feed her son. And then she says, and we're going to die. The drought had hit them. There was nothing left for her to eat except for that little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And Elijah tells her through prayer, because God has said, I'm going to provide for you through this widow in this Gentile town. He prays and he goes and he tells her to cook him a meal. Look at verse 14. He says, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She just had a little bit of flour, just a little bit of oil. And Elijah says, feed me, then come back, feed your son, feed yourself. And the Bible says that for the rest of the drought, that that flour never dried up and that oil never dried up. Don't think for a moment, God doesn't have the resources to provide for you. Trust him. Bring it to him in prayer. Trust the God of the Bible who did this for Elijah and he will do it for you. You do what God's called you to do. That's the key. And trust the Lord. Well, tragedy strikes. In verse 17, the son of the widow dies. Dies. Here's the third trial in in, in developing his trust. You can read it. He takes the dead boy up into the upper room. In verse 20, he cries out to the Lord. He says, oh, Lord, my God, you have brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son. And then Elijah does something strange. He, he, he stretches out over the child and he prays over that child and the child comes to life. Look at 22. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. God doesn't revive every child that dies. I wish he did, but he doesn't. But he revived this child. And he developed trust in Elijah's life. Elijah, through the trials, learned to pray and learned to listen to God and learned to be accustomed to the power of God in prayer that produces. Do you see that? It's the raven, it's the widow, and then it's God raising the dead. God developed trust in Elijah's life. And here's what I want you to see, because James says something that stops us in the tracks, and I want you to see this. It's Elijah's reality, okay? I want you to see his reality. He says in James, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You see, 
You could say, well, that's great, John. Elijah is a prophet. He was the great prophet of God that never died. And, 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 and he did great things because he was a great prophet. And, 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 and all these things, give me something that's good for me right here. James gives it to you. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was powerful at times. He called down fire. He raised the dead. Elijah was powerful. But Elijah was also a man who runs and hides from Jezebel. He runs and hides when she threatens his life. The man who walked with God knew fear. First Kings chapter 19, I want you to see, this man also knows depression. Some of you are battling it today. You're in the midst of it today. You don't know how you're gonna, where you're going to turn. Jezebel has promised to kill Elijah because he killed the prophets of Baal that she worshipped. And so he says, she tells that. Ahab tells Jezebel what Elijah does in verse 1 of 1 Kings 19. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah. So may the gods do to me and also notice hers to the gods. The gods may do to me and also more. If I don't take your life as one of them that you, by this time tomorrow. Look at verse 3. Then he was afraid. This is a man who just called fire from heaven. And he was afraid. And he rose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. And then look at verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. He said, it's enough. Now, God, oh, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. I just want you to see something real quick. When we read the passage earlier, when he spoke to the king, God said, go to the wilderness. Jezebel comes and threatens his life, but you don't see God say, go to the wilderness. It's nothing in this passage that tells us that God told Elijah this time to flee. And I want you to see this. Yesterday's instructions may not be today's instructions. I don't mean the word of God. It never changes. But God may have told you to do something yesterday that you automatically assume that he's telling you to do today. I'll just give you a quick example. Years ago when I was pastoring in Huntsville, God called me to a prolonged fast. It was wonderful. It was, it was unbelievable. It was the first prolonged fast I'd ever done, and, and God moved. And so the next year, the same period of time, I just start fasting again. I just assume God told me last year to fast. It's time for me to do it again this year. And halfway through the fast, it's, it's, I, I remember I was in the kitchen in our house. I was ironing a shirt. I don't iron anymore. I, I send them out and they get ironed, okay? But I was ironing a shirt. My daughter said, Dad, why don't you just iron? I said, I've made enough money in my life. I can at least get somebody else to iron my shirts. Leave me alone. And so I, I'm ironing my shirt. And I said, God, this fast is not light last year's. I don't feel what, you're, what I felt last year. God said, it's clear as day. I didn't call you to this one, John. <laughs> well, now you tell me. <laughs> and he said, I would have told you if it had just listened. 
yesterday's instruction may not be today's instruction. God told Elijah to go into the wilderness before, but he didn't automatically tell him to go into the wilderness this time. Seek God continually in your life. Always pray. Never assume that you know the will of God. Go into his word. Seek the Holy Spirit. He goes to a cave. If you look in in chapter 19, verse 9, he goes to a cave and God says, What are you doing, Elijah? Don't you love this relationship? What are you doing? I didn't call you to this cave. And then old Elijah, if you look at verse 10, you got to see this. This is chapter 19, verse 10. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord and the God of hosts. For the people of Israel, forsaken your covenant, like God didn't know this, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Elijah's a grown man having a pity party in the desert. Now don't laugh because we all are grown people who have pity parties. Elijah has gone through fear. He's in the midst of depression. Elijah's in the midst of a pity party. But here's the thing I want you to see. Even in the depression, he never stops praying. Some of you are down and out. You've sat under the broom tree. You want to die. And you don't understand why you're still here. I want to say to you, if I can today, as your pastor, don't turn from God. When the difficulties come, as we saw last week, when the suffering comes, don't turn from God. Turn to God. Keep praying because God's got something for you. God will continue like we saw in Job where you'll see God in a different way. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. It's a lesson for us all. Elijah's not supernatural. Elijah's not Superman, Clark Kent on the earth with different kind of powers than anybody else. He was a prophet, yes. He was used by God, yes. But James says, here's his reality. He has a nature just like ours. And can I suggest something to you? We have far more ability and far more capability than Elijah had. Why? Because we live on this side of the cross. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just empower us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. And the Spirit of God is inside of you if you're a child of God. And that same Spirit that empowered Elijah and raised Jesus from the dead is in you. He's in you. Keep praying. Keep seeking Him. Keep looking for Him. And then look what James says. Back to James. You may want to keep your hand there or mark in in, in Kings because we'll come back to it in a moment. But he comes back in James Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. I just want to say, I know why the translations translate it this way, but that's really not the focus. The focus is not fervency, and the focus is not even frequency. What he says literally is, praying he prayed. 
He just puts two different words, a noun and a verb form side by side. Praying, he prayed. James, the focus, the focus here, hear me, is, is the fact that he prayed and he kept on praying throughout his life. It's not the power that he had. It's not the calling that he had. It's the fact that he kept praying. I know in this room, I, I would dare say all of us, but most of us, including myself, we don't feel good about our prayer life. We want it to be more. I've never even met a prayer warrior who says, I got my prayer life exactly where I want it. We, we, we don't feel good about our abilities to pray. We, we don't feel good about the method in which we pray. But James teaches us something through Elijah. Here it is. Get this. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep talking to God. I'll just stop real quick. When I was in Malaysia... Kim and I, our, our hearts were broken over a certain issue with, with some, one of our children. And, and, and I was pouring my heart out to God in Malaysia. And, and I had a lot of time in the mornings and, and I was praying. And, and God, God spoke to me there. He said, um, he said, John, I love your girls more than you do. Give them to me. Stop badgering them. Stop treating your adult children like they're still under your house. And give them to me. That's not easy. You say, I wish my dad would listen. Well, most of you, you're still under your dad and mom's house, okay? But, but I want you to know as parents, it's not easy not to try to keep control in your life because we love you. And it's really not because we want to mess your life up. I, I want you to hear me. It's because we've lived through what you're living through. And all we really want is that you would learn from our, our lessons because we did hard things and we didn't obey and, and we suffered as a result. And the last thing we want our children to do is, is to suffer like we suffered. So we, it's, it's because we love you, but we're messed up. You're messed up and your parents are messed up. Y'all know that, right? We're all messed up. We're all messed up. But I want you to know something. It wasn't long after that that God did something to one of our daughter's lives. And it was just an answer to prayer. We had pushed, we had pushed, we had pushed. And it had nothing it just got more and more anger and more and more rebellion. But I stopped pushing so hard. And we just kept praying. And God answered. And since then, since then, there are conversation after conversations that we sit and we listen. And I hear in the back of my mind, I told you. I told you I'd take it. And I look at it, and I'm so surprised. Why are we so surprised? We, we pray for God to move, and we say, I can't believe it happened. Why? Why? Let me get back to my notes. He, he prayed it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. That's, Elijah's not supernatural, but this is supernatural. 
You see the difference? It's not that Elijah is Superman. He's a man. But hear this. A normal human, man or woman, a normal human sold out to God praying. Let me say it again. A normal human sold out to God praying can expect divine results. God didn't just act this way in the Bible. He still moves today. And the God of power that moved in James's life and Elijah's life moves in our life. Elijah prayed. Think about it. I don't know how long it's been now since we've had rain, but think how dry it is. Three and a half years it didn't rain. Why? Because Israel had sinned and they turned against God. And all those prophets of Baal that Elijah helped take out, they were worshiping Baal, sacrificing their children to these gods, literally sacrificing them. So God uses Elijah to announce judgment upon them. And then just like that, he prayed and it rained. And here's what I want you to see is Elijah's trust was built through trials. Elijah's reality is that he has a nature just like ours. Elijah never stopped praying. The relationship continued. And that's the key is the relationship that he had with God. Prayer is about relationship. It's really more about that than anything else. I'm a man. I'm just not good at communicating. And I'm surprised Kim doesn't amen. She's just learned to bite her tongue. She's, I'm still, how was your day good? That's a good answer to me. That, that's, that's all the answer I need. How's your day? Good. I'm fine with that. Kim teaches me how to communicate. It's been almost 30 years. She's really not a good teacher with me, but it's, it's, it's something I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm just not a good communicator like that. But here's what I've learned. Prayer is like a relationship that I have with Kim. We learn to communicate together. Sometimes it's silently. Sometimes it's nonverbal. Sometimes it's verbal. God communicates in the same way in the same type of relationship. Prayer is about relationship. So here's what you do. You go to his word and you find his will and you pray. You go to his word, you come in the spirit, you hear his will and you pray. And then listen, you keep on praying until God answers. God answers and says yes. God answers and says no. God answers and says wait. But God will answer You keep praying. Sometimes you'll pray until God takes the burden of prayer off of you. And when that happens, you just let it go. But God moves in your life. Pray. Look at what James says. Pray in the midst of trials when you're suffering. Pray when everything's going well. Sing. Pray. Pray in sickness. Pray alone. Pray with the elders. Pray for one another. Pray. Pray for forgiveness, he says. Pray for healing. Pray for wisdom. Pray. Listen, pray for everything. Everything. But let me close by taking you back to Elijah one more time. So go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. 
Elijah's in a cave. God has already asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah has a pity party. I'm the only one left. There's no more nurse. And look at verse 11. And he said, this is God. Go out and stand on the mountain, on the mountain before the Lord. Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Do you see how much like Moses this is? A few chapters later in Exodus, or a few chapters before in Exodus, Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. You can't see my glory and live, Moses, but I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and my glory will pass by. I'll let you see the back of my glory. Go see. Go, go stand on the mountain and the Lord pass by. But get this. As we pray, we pray knowing that God listens. We pray knowing that God's there. I got to spend some time yesterday with, with a friend. He, he was in town in Birmingham. And so I went and we spent about four hours together. I'm driving home. What did I do on the way home by myself? I sung to God. I prayed to God. I listened to God. I worshiped God. Not because I had to. Not because I wanted to use it as a sermon illustration. But because God was in that car. And he worshiped with me through his spirit. And and it was wonderful. It was incredible. We pray. We know that God is there. But look at this. Verse 11. God passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it into pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. I wonder if that's where earth, wind, and fire came from. I don't know. Uh, after the earthquake, a fire. I'm sorry. That's how my brain works. But, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God gave Elijah a job to do. He was a prophet. He never told him to go into the wilderness. Elijah thought he was alone. If you keep reading, God says, I've got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal, Elijah. You're not alone. But here's what I want you to see. We want God to show up in the wind. We want God to show up in the earthquake. We we want God to show up in the fire. But you know what the Bible shows us and what I found in my own life to be true is that most of the time God just shows up in the low whispers. I'm reading the word of God in a quiet place. I'm alone with God in his word. And God prompts me. He says, why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? Why didn't you? Or even better, this is how much I love you, John. This is how much I care for you. This is what I want to do in your life. He speaks through those low whispers. 
And here's the thing. We want God to move, but, but what Elijah shows us is that for God to move in the big ways, we've got to learn to trust him in the small things. The small things matter. It matters whether you cheat on your homework or not. It matters whether you do this or that at work. It matters because when you get those little small things and you do the small things and God provides for you in the small things, like praying for a parking place. I don't, if I'm, if, if I'm driving in the parking lot and, and, I, and I'm looking and I'm in a hurry and I see poor old Betty behind me in a car, I'm not going to take the best parking place. I'm going to give poor old Betty that parking place, okay? <laughs> She gets in better than I do, okay? But you pray for those little things. God cares about the little things. It builds your trust. And as your trust gets there, you're able to do the big things. It's the small things that Elijah did, like trusting God at the brook for a raven to give him bread and meat that enabled him to stand before the prophets of Baal. Parents, the prophets of Baal are here. They teach your children. They teach you. They indoctrinate you. Every time you turn on the news. Every time you look in the internet. Every time you look at the world. The prophets of Baal try to seduce us. We must know the voice of God and trust him. You know, really, when you go to 1 Kings 18, you can go back and read the whole confrontation. The whole confrontation between Elijah and the prophets of Baal really comes down to this. Who answers prayer? Let me ask you, who answers prayer? Is it your government? Is it your favorite team? Is it your job? Is it the bank account? We have a lot of idols in our life that are good things by themselves, but terrible gods. Do they answer our prayers or or have we learned to see that God answers those prayers? God alone. I just want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to do what we did last week. I think it's good to end just quietly before the Lord. So Kim's going to come and play. But as you bow your heads, please listen to me for a moment. Are you facing situations this morning where you have no ability to do anything about it? Are you in a situation today you have no ability, no skill, and no means to fix it? I want you to hear me. I'm not indifferent to the suffering, but I want you to hear me. If you're in a place where you have no ability and no skill and no means, you're in a good place. Because I know a God who has the ability, who has the skill, and he has the means. So would you take whatever it is that you have before him? Let's give him place. If you need to come to the front and kneel, that's okay. 
You don't have to. If you just want to kneel at your chair, that's okay. You don't have to. If you just want to stand, that's okay. You don't have to. All I ask is you just quietly let someone else listen to the Lord for a moment. I'm trying to learn to be a man of prayer. I'm not where I want to be. I'm better, but I'm not there. In a couple weeks, I'm going to try to show you how to do it in a better way that I've learned that's helped me tremendously. But would you commit to learning to pray? Would you just commit to learning to talk to God? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this. Can you imagine your child coming up to you and say, Mom, Dad, I just really want to learn to talk and listen to you more. Can you imagine how that would make your heart feel? Say the same to God. Ask Him. I know you're in some desperate situations. Talk to a friend that lost his job this week. Talk to another friend this week who also lost his job. Saw someone earlier who's just struggling with some pain. It's the loss of a brother, the loss of someone you love, the prodigal who's just not come home. You taught him the word. They used to worship, but they've gone to a distant, faraway land. God loves them more than you do. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Just come and motion for me. I'll meet you down. We have a good, good father. He's all powerful, He's all knowing, He's all present. You don't have to look for him this morning. He's here. He loves you. And sometimes you can't see the love because you've been through so much. Give that to him. Let him show you. Let him show you his love.
me say it again. Just give it to him. Whatever that is. Father, we, we come before you. We sang it as well earlier. We remember the circumstances of the one who wrote those words, the original hymn. We want to come to you with everything, every joy and every heartache, every problem and every solution every issue, no matter how, may, how small it may seem in someone else's eyes, it's in our mind and it's big to us. And, and I thank you that though it's not difficult for you, it's big for you if it's big for us because you love us and you're that kind of father. So I just pray, Lord, right now over my brothers and sisters here. I ask God that you would hear their prayers. And as Jude prayed so long ago, we pray to you who, are able, who is able to keep us from stumbling. You're able to present us blameless before your presence in your glory with great joy. To you, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we give you glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for being here. And I'll be right over here. I'd love to talk to any of you who would like to come see me. If you'd like to talk more about how to pray, we'll talk about it. Again, I'm going to give you a very practical way to do that in a couple of weeks. I know it's late. You need to go. We got chairs. Talk to each other before you run out, though, and greet each other. And we'll see you tonight at the picnic at 4 o'clock. God bless you. Where's the wind? So no.